This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Now, um, you know, it's, oof, it's Tuesday, so we're a week from Election Day. And it's crazy out there, isn't it? Man, it's crazy. And I know that everyone's on edge. Everyone wants this to be over with. Folks are probably turning off the news or getting tired of it. But I want to encourage you not to lose Hope. Don't give up. On August the 12th, the year 2000, the largest submarine in the Russian fleet named the Kursk suffered an internal explosion and it went down in about 350 feet of water in the Barents Sea. There was 118 men aboard. Deep sea divers, they went down to assess the situation to determine if there if anyone had survived, and as they were circling the ship deep beneath the sea, they heard a pinging sound. So they began to listen closely, and what they were hearing was a type of Morse code coming from some of the men in the sub, and the divers deciphered the code, which turned out to be a simple question. Is there any hope? Is there any hope? Now that's a question a lot of folks are asking today, right? Where do we turn when it seems that hope runs dry? And so I want to point us to the same place we've been, I've been pointing, we've been talking about in this series I've been doing on Sunday morning to the precious promises of God. The Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews 6, 19 and 20, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. None of us need to be told what an anchor is. We've either seen or, or held those uh, iron you know, uh, anchors. they got that pointed prongs on them. Maybe you've actually thrown one from a boat into the water. You you felt the yank of the anchor when it found a firm, secure place to hold. They only have one purpose, don't they? They're designed to steady the boat and hold it fast. And we all need a good anchor in order to weather the strong winds and the storms that come. We need one that can hook securely to an object that is stronger than the storm. Why do we need that? Why do we need a good anchor? Well, it's because we are a valuable vessel. Each of us, we're carrying an eternal soul within us. When God breathed into Adam, he gave him more than oxygen, right? He gave him a soul. And it is the the presence of that soul that really separates us from animals, we all love our pets, don't we? Whether we have a dog or a cat, goldfish, we have a, two dogs and, and a pet tortoise. And we have a lot in common with our pets. 
We share a lot of things in common, like eyes, ears, mouths, tongues. I know some folks even look like their pets. And although we may be very much alike, there is one huge difference between us and our pets. We have a soul, and they do not. Because we have a soul, and we wonder why we are here. Because of our soul, we wonder where we are going. Because of our soul, we wrestle with the right and wrong, and we value the lives of others. We may even get nostalgic when we think of the good old days. Animals don't do those kinds of things, do they? Our soul separates us from the animals, but our souls unite us with God. Our souls need an anchor. Our souls are fragile. Our souls feel pain of death and and feel concern for the future. Our bodies may suffer in physical damage, but our soul suffers from questions. And we do. Our soul does suffer from questions. And that's why our soul needs an anchor. An anchor, uh, an anchoring point, I should say, that is sturdier than the storm that we might be going through. Notice, you know, when I was reading that Hebrew passage, when notice that when he said that our anchor is set where? In the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. That's where, uh, where Jesus, our forerunner, entered on our behalf. In other words, our anchor is set in the very throne room of God. Visualize your anchor there, attached to the very throne of God. It can never break free. And no matter what storm or attack comes against us, the anchor, the promises of God, those things hold fast. They're they're spoken from the very throne of God. It gives us hope. And that gives us strength, doesn't it? Excuse me. You know, I've been doing this series uh, for a while now. I've done a couple of them here on the radio program, but there's been 12. And the first one was, when the wave of death sweeps into our life, we can cling to the promise that death is not the end. Right? Death is swallowed up in victory. Then the second lesson was, when the attacks come against our self-image, we can cling to the promise that I'm somebody important to God. We're made in his image, and he loves us. When the storms sap our strength and exhaust our resources, we can remember that we're children of God, co-heirs with Christ, and we have an inexhaustible heavenly inheritance. When the attacks of Satan come against us, we can remember that the devil is a defeated foe, and God will give us the victory over him. But we just got to hold fast, right? When the attacks of doubt and failure come, we can hold on to the promise that Jesus understands us and will help us. Don't let doubt freeze you in place. Keep on keeping on, folks. When we feel all alone with our struggles and our problems, we can cling to the promise that Jesus is at the right hand of God and is interceding on our behalf. And then, in addition to Jesus working on our behalf, we also uh, we are also promised that our pro- prayers have power. The prayers of a righteous man can appel, uh, availeth much. 
We also are promised that our sorrow won't last forever. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes with the morning, if you remember that one. If we begin to feel like the powerful and the prideful always end up on top. And man, don't let me let me go there. But don't forget that God is on our side. He promises that he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then finally, if we fear that God can't or won't forgive our sins, we must cling to the promise that Paul writes for us at the end or at the the beginning. Is it right there either Roman, the end of Romans 7 or the beginning of Romans 8 where he says, uh, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing and no one can take away our hope because nothing and no one can take away Jesus. Neither sin nor death, neither betrayal nor sickness, nor disappointment can overcome the promises of God. If we cling to those promises, we can overcome. And clinging to those promises is all that God asks us to do. Whenever we face tragedy, struggle, or loss, and, and there are always uh, many ways that these uh, things that we don't know may come our way. But we, we often don't know why these things happen. But we can't allow the things we don't know to overshadow or to have more power over the things we do know. Like, for example, we know that God does not give us anything we cannot handle as Christians. We know that we are here only for a little while. We know that someday we will be reunited with loved ones in heaven. And we know that all our questions will be answered. And we need to make the deliberate decision to build our life on God's promises. That's what God wants all of us to do. And Jesus encourages us to do that. You know, pray always, never lose hope. You read that all throughout the Gospels. Paul's prayer for the Roman church, there in Romans 15, 13, included, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now notice that Paul believes that our God is the God of hope. And Paul believes that our God of hope can fill us so much that we abound with it. Some translations use the word overflow with hope. There are many things in life that we want to receive in an abundance, right? We may want an abundance of, of harvest or an abundance of water, not just a trickle. Maybe it's an abundance of ice cream filled to the top and overflowing. God wants our hope to be like that, overflowing, abounding, abundant. Where where do we find that kind of hope? It's only in God, the God of hope. And going back to Scripture, again, back to Hebrews 6, going back at verse 17, The Hebrew writer writes, In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, 
We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Hebrew writer wants us to know that God's promises are true because God cannot lie. He wants us to flee for refuge to God and his promises. Why? So that we will find strong encouragement and seize the hope that is set before us. Grab God's promised hope with both your hands and never let go of it, folks. His promised hope is an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, an anchor that is unmovable. And that lifeline, an anchor, is in the very presence of God at his throne where Jesus has a permanent position. Ultimately, Jesus is the only person worthy of being our anchor. Everyone anchors themselves to something, right? For some folks, the anchor is themselves. They are the only one they trust in. Some people anchor themselves to others. Maybe it's the parent, or spouse, the preacher, or a celebrity. Other people anchor themselves to things like their bank accounts, retirement accounts, houses, jobs, their health. But you know, the question that we need to ask ourselves is this. Is what I'm hooked or anchored to stronger than what I will go through? I believe that if we anchor ourselves to anything other than Jesus, then what we are anchored to isn't strong enough to carry us through the storms of life and the questions of eternity. Let me ask you, would you anchor your boat, if you're out on the sea, would you anchor your boat to another boat? No. You want to be anchored to something that goes deeper and holds firmer than other floating vessels. Whenever we anchor ourselves to the things of this world, people and things, it is just like one boat tethering itself to another boat. Can a retirement account survive a depression? Probably not. Can good health weather a disease? Not likely. These anchors offer no guarantees. Experienced sailors would urge us to hook on to something hidden and deep and solid. They would tell us, don't trust another boat, and not even to trust our own boat. When the storm hits, we should trust no thing and no one but God alone. And that's why Paul declared that we have put our hope in the living God. God and his promises are the only things worthy of our trust. The promises of God are trustworthy and true. They work. They are time-tested. The promises of God and the hope they deliver can walk us through horrific tragedies and can buoy us in our day-to-day difficulties. Russell Carter, he was a man who, uh, <coughs> excuse me, who trusted uh, in God he, and in God's promises and experienced these truths. He was a gifted athlete and student 
And back in 1864, at the age of 14, during a prayer meeting there in Kentucky, he decided to give his life over to Christ and be baptized. He became an instructor at the Pennsylvania Military Academy in 1869. And this guy lived a diverse life, fruitful life. Uh, he was a minister. He was a medical doctor. He even wrote a song. But it was his understanding of God's promises that I think that makes his story relevant for you and me. By the age of 30, Russell here had a critical heart condition, and he was on the brink of death. Now think about that. In the 1800s, critical heart condition, that's like a death sentence. See, today we would go down to the Mayo Clinic or, or to the doctor and we might be okay. But the 1800s, oof. Now this lady, Connie Ruth Christensen, she writes, quote, He, that's uh, Carter, he knelt and made a promise that healing or no, his life was finally and forever consecrated to the service of the Lord. Notice he didn't make a promise there, saying, God, if you get me through this, then I'll do this or that. No, his promise was just like the promise of Daniel's friends. Remember when Daniel's uh, friends, Meshach, and Abednego, would not bow the knee to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar? And so he brought them before him and, and said, okay, I want to play the music. When you hear the music, you bow your knee, and they wouldn't do it. So he made the furnace even hotter, and he threatened to throw them in there. And he said, the, the friends of Daniel said, O king, we will not bow the knee, and God will save us. But if not, we will not bow the knee. That's a promise. We are always going to be faithful to God's what they're saying. We trust in God's promises over yours. And we know the story. And so, same thing here with Russell. He made that promise to the Lord. Oh, uh, Ruth Christensen continues saying that uh, from that moment, uh, that scripture took a new life for Russell. He began to lean on those promises of God in the Bible. He committed himself to believe whether or not God granted him healing or not, he lived for another 49 years after that heart condition. His decision to trust God in the midst of his difficulties gave birth to a hymn, that song he wrote. You likely know the song. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. I love that. That's what you and I need to do. And there's countless stories throughout the Bible about that. Do you remember Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, who stood before a king and told him, what for? You better turn to God. Remember that? And then he went to Mount Carmel and killed all those bell prophets. I mean, man, this guy was strong. The power of God was with him. He, he could enact miracles. Amazing. And then he got that letter from Jezebel saying, this day, tomorrow, same thing's going to happen to you. And old Elijah ran scared. What? Remember that? And God had to give him that encouragement there by the brook, Cherubeth. And then Elijah went down to Mount Horeb. That's where the law was originally given to the, the nation. And God showed him all those things about the raging fire, the raging wind. And then, but God wasn't in those things. He was... In the gentle breeze. In other words, all this heavy stuff you see going on there, Elijah, all these things that seem so overwhelming. Oh, how can I possibly do this? I'm all alone. 
God's telling him, I'm there. I'm still working. Don't give up. Stand on the promises, Elijah. Stand on the promises, Chris. Stand on the promises, folks. Don't lose heart. Joseph, remember Joseph and the the uh, multicolored coat that his father gave him? And his brothers were jealous of him because of the dreams and of the love his father had for him. So they threw him in that pit. They were going to kill him, but then sold him as a slave and told his dad that their dad, oh, he died. A, a vicious animal killed him, showed him a, a blood-soaked coat. He was taken down to Egypt, sold as a slave. And then he was lied about by Potiphar's wife, ended up in prison. Sixteen years uh, goes by. He stands before Pharaoh, interprets those dreams, and becomes the second most powerful man in the world, thinking that he'll never see his family again because he could have sent word to him, right? He could have sent word to his family to tell him about the famine coming, but he doesn't do that. doesn't go checks on him. But later on, he sees what God was doing when he was trying to convince his brother, bring Benjamin. He wanted to get his youngest brother back. They gave up one brother. Maybe they'll give up, they'll give up the other. And when he saw and understood God's plan, he he let his gave him made himself known to his brothers and his father. God's promise was kept to continue the line of Abraham. The promise of God. And even with Habakkuk, remember when Habakkuk was praying to God that, Whoa, what are you going to do about Israel? Israel's so bad, it's so so evil. Lord, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to do something, Habakkuk. I'm sending the Assyrians. <gasps> what? Not them. They're, they're, they're so evil. Well, that's who he's, that's what he's doing. What's going to happen in our country? It, who's going to be president? This one or that one? Most of you out there listening probably voted for Trump. Some of you out there might have voted for Biden. That's a whole other discussion. I don't want to get into that. But I want to talk about who is really in control. God. Who's sitting on the throne? Remember Isaiah chapter 6? After King Isaiah died and Isaiah had that vision, who was sitting on the throne? God. The king. Life may not go the way we want it to in the here and now. But God's in control. Remember Paul when he was on his missionary journeys? He wanted to go up into Asia and the Holy Spirit kept preventing him. And then he had that vision, that Macedonian vision, that guy calling him over to Macedonia. He woke up and then he discussed it with his buddies there, companions. They concluded, you know what? Maybe God doesn't want us to go to Asia. <laughs> You're right, Paul. All right. He's pretty much saying, I'll go. And after all the amazing, wonderful things Paul had done, I mean, he was even stoned and left for dead, and he got up and went back into the city. God was with him, right? He could do the miraculous. And while in Corinth, he was sleeping, and God came to him in a dream and told him, Don't worry. Don't be afraid. I have many people in this city. Keep on preaching. He was afraid. He was afraid. And God reminded him, stand on the promises. Paul, don't forget. Have hope. Not a, I wish I may, I wish I might. It's a confident expectation. And I want to impart that to you. Have hope. Have confident expectation. 
patience. Don't give up. Don't give up. I won't. Even if the guy I voted for doesn't get in, I won't lose my joy. I won't lose my hope because it's not anchored in politics. It's not anchored into the guy I voted for. It's not anchored into my parents, my bank account, myself, or my wife, or my kids. It is anchored in God. Where's your anchor? Where's your hope? Build your life on the promises of God. Since his promises are unbreakable, your hope will be unshakable. The wind is still going to blow. The rain still going to fall. The sun is still going to rise. <laughs> You'll still pay taxes. But in the end, you will be standing. Standing on the promises of God. And so that's the message I want you to take. Today and forever. Don't give up. Have hope. Don't ever lose it. Why? Why is Satan uh, called by Peter a roaring lion? Remember, he's going about like a roaring lion seeking someone he may devour. If you were walking out there in, uh, in Africa and you're just walking along in the tall grass and all of a sudden you hear this loud roar, what are you going to do? You're going to freeze, right? You're going to stop your forward progression because you're frightened, you're scared. Whenever you have doubt, whenever you have fear, you stop. You stop moving forward. Don't do that. That's what Satan wants. Have hope. Keep moving forward and never give up. Don't believe the lies. Look for the truth. And the truth can only be found in one place. God's word. And the better you understand that, the more perspective you have of God, the easier it will be for you to hold on to that hope and joy because you will see through the lies of this world. I guarantee it. Just keep on keeping on, folks, and don't give up. Stand on the promises of God. Bring the message out. Send up to sweep away till she the better day. Bring it out, bring it out, bring it out Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son Bring it out, bring it out, bring it out This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.